Now, it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Your host, Teresa E. Keeves, is a professional mediator, here to educate, inform, enlighten, and inspire everyone about the great benefits in the process of professional mediation to resolve conflicts, disagreements, and disputes relating to business or personal matters. Now, here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Good morning, everyone. Good day to you. I am Teresa E. Keys, your host for Put It All on the Table Through Mediation. Listen, first things first, I want you to know that I certainly appreciate you tuning into my show every week and listening to uh, my podcast and things. It means a lot to me because this is something that is really, really close to my heart, mediating. I want people to learn how to settle their differences better than we have been doing in the past. And um, what I want to say is that I'm very humbled as I check, you know, uh, every month uh, on this radio station, I get my, you know, my ratings and my ratings have increased from November to December. So I'm very, very happy about that. It's a lot of hard work getting these shows every week, um, you know, talking about varying subjects, acquiring guests and and or if you're going to be um, hosting it alone. But nevertheless, it's very enjoyable. This is what I love doing. Okay, now, my show topic this week is family mediation, what's all in it. And my returning guest is my fabulous brother, Reginald C. Campbell. He is a social worker extraordinaire. He has a master's in mental health, and he is a certified mental health specialist with decades of experience in this whole realm. He has been on my show previously and needless to say, he is my constant um, guest on the show. So um, you should, you know, check out some of the archives that he and I talked about in, in the show. It's very, very good. And this filled with a lot of valuable information. I also want to say at this point in juncture, should you have any questions or comments for me or my guest, please give me a call on one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight, or you can email me at Teresa at radio dot expert. Okay, it's another beautiful day here in Arizona, but you know it's it's very windy. I sometimes I think the the you know the the weather, you know people who predict the weather. I think sometimes they put the stats up too high. They want Arizona to be like it's. Oh, it's going to be warm all the time, but it's not. It's, it's quite cool and windy, and um, which is probably attributing to a lot of people coming down with colds and things such as myself. Um, but, you know, I want to say that, remember, I was talking about, you know, all the shows that I wanted to see in my talk last week on Decorum. I said I wanted to see Selma and the movie about Stephen Hawkins, you know, Into the Woods, Unbroken, Night at the museum, um, none of that happened because the flu hit me hard, guys, this weekend. Oh, my God. Me and my young grandson was hit with, we had temperatures of 104, 105, and I'm, I'm, I'm working on him and, and then, you know, working on myself, you know, and, and um, 
And my husband was instrumental, instrumental as well as in trying to combat this. It was, it was really something, you know, had chills and fever. I can't remember the last time I had the flu. It's been years. And okay. I did. Here's one thing. My life has increased with more busyness. Okay. So I know that I need to take better care of myself as, as I said, it's increased, but it's more positive busyness. And you know, if I want to be able to continue to do what I want, then I better take better care of myself. I was so sick yesterday that another judge had to take my afternoon cases because the flu was just, it just had me yesterday. And I um, knew that I had my talk this morning. And uh, so I wanted to get some, come home and get some rest. The one thing about this flu is that the more you sleep, the better you, the better you feel. The people who has it, that's, that's what they're, you know, they're saying, which I, the, the thing is, is that I don't get a lot of sleep. I never have. I, I don't know what that, all that is about, but I will tell you that although I am feeling better and so is my grandson, it is still something to be conquered. And I, I don't know. Have any of you had to deal with that, this flu this season? God, I, I hope not. And look, I do not go out and get flu shots. I never have. And I'm sure many of you listening out there, like me, have never had a flu shot. And then those are out there who have, you know, taken their yearly flu shots. Nope, not me. My sister is formerly a surgical nurse, and she is diligent about the flu shot, she and her husband, every year. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think my brother who's um, on with me, I think he takes the flu shot. Um, but... Perhaps, you know, I should get one, but I don't think so. I love you, sister. It's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't, I don't care for all of that. You know, I just need to take better care of myself and get more rest. Okay. Let's talk a little politics just a little bit. All right. Uh, did any of you guys listen to the president's state of the union address this week? I thought it was great. And I thought he was very much poised in his stance. He was very relaxed and he spoke very eloquently, still spewing about the love that he has for this country and the hope that he has for the American people. And I thought that the first lady, as usual, looked gorgeous. OK, the president gave his account on some of his action items for the country that he plans on implementing, as well as an account of some of his achievements. Now, one thing about this president that my brother and I discuss is that I would like for him to talk about his achievements constantly because there's lots of them that have been made that the American people do not know about, you know, and he doesn't get credit for. Here's one of my here's one of my things. With with the Congress, you know, they're they're talking about all oh, the Democrats are uh, no longer in power and uh, stop with the madness. The thing is that we need to learn from our mistakes and move on. You know, it's just so much time wasted with infighting. That's what I'm calling it, because they're infighting in the houses. And I just love the fact of so many things that have helped the American people in lieu of the fact of this infighting, such as the gas prices. Can we give a, a shout beep beep with those gas prices? I mean, it's fabulous. I, I, I have, I have 91 octane uh, for my car. And I'm sure that a lot of you out there can, can attest to this. 
And, you know, we were paying like four, five dollars a gallon for this, this dog on gas, you know. But now, heck, it's like, uh, you know, like two dollars and 20 something cent or whatever. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. And they're always talking about other means of, you know, not having to maintain our dependency on gas. Well, I'm good with that. For example, the electric car. I, I'm, I'm cool with that concept. But, you know, you're driving down the road and your battery or batteries need more power so you can continue on your way. Then this country needs to get very, very adamant about putting in the adequate amount of those stations so that people who have these cars they can they can re-energize their batteries. And I also love the solar systems. I love it for the houses and and things like that. This is just, you know, a couple of things that will um certainly help our environment as well because you know we're we're having a lot of uh global issues in our air and water um uh content. It's not that great, you know. And you know, once again about the gas prices, I mean People who need or want to drive the work, you know, they're driving to work and um, and or maybe they're taking the bus. But, you know, a lot of them took the bus because they couldn't afford to drive. And now that they can afford their, their gas prices, you know, so so what I'm saying is that I like to see a thriving populace. I like to see people moving and and doing things in in the forward motion. And then let's mention the job numbers. That's great. More people are employed. I love it. More high school graduates. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. So I, I, I think that's, I think that's all, you know, fabulous stuff that, that, uh, he was giving stats on the president in his speech. Okay. We're done with that. All right. Let's get started. I would like to tell you about a case I had, um, this week in court. And it was about a young couple who, uh, they were the defendants in this case. All right. And they just purchased a house and the seller was suing them for an amount of $300. The plaintiff, he was an elderly gentleman and he did not come to court because he said he lived too far from the court and he's elderly and he would not be able to make it. But so I don't understand why he filed the complaint then. And he stated that the couple owed him a residual amount of $300 as they agreed to purchase the refrigerator and the washer and dryer that was already in a home. You know how it is when you're starting out or and, or maybe when you're not starting out you 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 buy a home and and you ask, "Oh, is this going to be included or no? What can we can we negotiate on that?" Sure. I love it, okay? You're doing your best to maximize your dollars, okay? Now, the refrigerator did not function properly. You know, um the young couple did not make a big stink about it. Therefore, you know, they went ahead and repaired it, which they showed me the man repairing it, the receipts and all that. And it cost them $350 to have it repaired. Now, they had already agreed with the seller of the home and his real estate agent previously regarding this transaction. So they did it right. Prior to taking possession of the home, the new owner completed the residual payment of $300, which they showed me bank statements for this final transaction that he got it and cashed it. All right. So as I said earlier, the seller was not in court. Therefore, it was held as a default hearing. So 
the seller said in his statement, as I was reading it out loud, that he did not remember receiving the monies and appeared at the defendant's home. Now, the defendant said that the guy came and he was angrily knocking at the door with his fist, knocking at the door and kicking at it and saying that he's going to knock the door down and he's going to come in there and get his refrigerator. Okay, so the wife was there. She's young. She's afraid. Her husband's not at home. And so he finally left. She did not open the door for him. She told him to go away, you know, which he did at that time. But guess what, guys? He came back the next day in his minivan explaining, exclaiming the same thing. Then the defendants called the seller's real estate agent, and that agent told them to contact the police should he come back again. All right. He did not return. Thank goodness, because we don't. We don't need to have that. You know, all the defendants basically wanted out of their They wanted their court costs of forty two dollars. That's what they wanted, which I awarded them that after listening to everything that I need to. And then I dismissed the case without prejudice. Now, my question to you is, what would you have done in this case? All right. Uh, Give me give me a call and. Let me know exactly how you would have done that. All right. So now let's get right into today's topic, as I'm always anxious um, when I have guests on. OK, today we are talking about family mediation. What's all in it? I want to explain to you what I mean about what's all in it. Well, I am asked this question a lot as people are asking me questions initially for clarification, knowing that they have to attend family uh, mediation. I explained to them what happens in the mediation process with family mediation, as it is not accompanied by a judge or a hearing officer, that it is primarily the mediator who does all of, let's say, Excuse me. Does uh, he or she will do all of the background work that she'll he or she will take care of, uh, you know, certain things, you know, so that the judge does not have to deal with that when the rest of the case comes before him or her. And, um, you know, it's, it's more expedient and things of that nature. Now, we're going to get into more of talking about family mediation with my guest. We're going to take a short break. And we will be right back. Do you know that bullying in the workplace and in our schools, whether it's grammar schools or high schools, is becoming more and more prevalent? This includes the rise of verbal abuse and physical abuse to our senior citizens. As a matter of fact, bullying is on the cusp of becoming a dominant occurrence in today's society. For example, CareerBuilder.com survey of 2012 noted that about 50% of all workplace bullying goes unreported. And NBC News reported that bullying statistics of 2013 for senior citizens is on the rise in America. And that statistics for bullying-related incidences in our schools, well, unfortunately, it is on the rise. If you find yourself being bullied in school or in the workplace and you need someone to help resolve your differences with professionalism, fairness, 
impartiality, and given a platform to be heard. Give me a call. Professional mediator Teresa E. Keys at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. Now it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for returning to my show. Uh, we are talking about family mediation, what's all in it, with my fabulous guest, Reginald C. Campbell. And right before we went to break, we were talking about um, the mediation uh, process, uh, the, what the family mediator takes care of in the process so that the judge doesn't have to deal with it when he gets, when he or she um, uh, has the case before them in court. Cause the judge will primarily deal with, um, you know, the financial portion, um, you know, what's going to happen with um, uh, how much money the kids are going to get um, spousal support, you know, you know, that kind of thing, you know? So by the time the judge gets it, you know, the, the mediator will have done all of them. That's what I call the background work. Now, as I said before, the judge has already set it for mediation, family mediation, and the mediator takes care of what I just said, a great deal of it, what is needed between the husband and wife or partners, okay, in their situation. And the judge will take care of the financial portions like spousal support, child payments, for example. Now, that's not the only thing that the judge does. As I said before, they do more than that. Now, mom and dad partners are very important in this case. Anytime a relationship is unfortunately going awry, you know, it's very important to remember the children as well, because far too often they are not remembered. And they are very important because they do have a place in the mass, in the mix of all of this. And they should not, um, and they should always have the correct people advocating for the rights and putting into place assurances for their best interest. Now, here is some interesting data that I collected in my research about this topic. And then I'm going to bring my guest on. There's a website called Divorce Statistics, you know, saying this is what they said. And I just wanted to check on and see what is our divorce rate in this country. And they said that there's an actual drop in divorce rates. Well, I'm, I'm good with that. You know, rates have been dropping during the last few decades. Data indicates that marriages have lasted longer in the 21st century as compared to the success rate of marriages in the 1990s. Also, the experts say that they believe that the current rate trend might go down even more in the coming years as more and more couples prefer a live-in relationship. This is a type of relationship where couples live together like partners without marrying. Okay. The truth about the divorce rate is surprisingly optimistic, says the Huffington Post. Okay. They say that we've all heard that 50% of marriages in the U.S. end in divorce and while that's disheartening statistic continues to get tossed around, the divorce rate isn't really at 50 percent. And it doesn't even, you know, it's not even rising either. So that's that's good as well. In fact, a new piece in the New York Times data blog 
Upshot suggests that the divorce rate has actually been dropping for some time now. Who knew? What do these stats have to do with our topic? These stats have a lot to do with our topic. Okay. Because the, the, the thing, the truth of the matter is that in all of these divorce proceedings, children are involved. Okay. They are no longer in a relationship. Um, um, you know, with their, uh, you know, with their, with their, their, their parents and, you know, it, it makes it disheartening. Um, so now the thing is, is that our society, as you all notice, is constantly changing with how we are forming family structure. You know, like a lot of us coming up, we have basically a village that assisted us in our lives. For example, the neighbors on your block used to look out for not only their family, but others too. Okay. Working parents knew that their children had to go to a, they had a go-to person should the need arise in their absence. And parents cared and loved themselves and they poured that care onto their children. And what I'm saying is that a large amount of what I just mentioned continues to fade. Now, I would like to bring on my brother, Reginald C. Campbell, to join in on this conversation. Good morning, Reginald. Hey, good morning. How are you today? Hey, I'm I'm doing I'm doing well considering um that this flu thinks that it's gonna hang out, but I have news for it. <laughs> you know and, you know, I heard you I heard you talking about that uh you never had the flu shot. I've been getting the flu shot I guess the, for the past three, maybe four years. And uh-huh. um I, I definitely highly recommend it for, for anyone. Um I was I was against it as well and then my doctor Wonderful doctor, Dr. Chen, who I talk about all the time, uh, who I've been with about 15 years. Um, he recommended that I, that I get it and said, hey, it's not gonna, it's not gonna hurt. If anything, it's gonna, it's gonna help you. My concern was always, hey, am I gonna get sick after getting the, the flu shot? So the uh-huh. first year, I got the flu shot about three years ago. A co-worker uh-huh. took the flu shot and he was really sick. He was out like a week. And I'm like, oh God, I, I can't take this because he's gonna be sick. Well, Dr. Chen was telling me everyone is different, of course, and mm-hmm. he said that I'm not going to get sick and that this guy could have had something else going on. Exactly. Shot, who knows? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so well, yeah, I've been taking it for three years and uh, no problem. And they have a new needle, a really uh-huh. short needle, maybe an inch long, and uh-huh. it's a real light pinch. You don't, you don't even feel it. You know, it's not uh-huh. like a regular needle with the thread. It's just a really small needle, and they push it in, and, and you're done. Yeah. Yeah, well, you oh, know. It's gotten better. Yeah, I know, but I just I don't know. I'll I'll I, I won't I won't say that I'm totally closed off to the idea. You know, it's it's somewhere right there, but you know, it's just haven't like come to the forefront of my mind. You know what I'm you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I, I may after this I I may think about it and or I you know, I need to infuse more health care um into my activity. You know, I need to pump up on some things that I had lacked as I'm, you know, doing new things and, and all of this kind mm-hmm. of thing right now, you know, but mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. okay. And, and, and just let me say this right quick. And in addition, sure. certain agencies um, recommend 
as a worker um, obtained the flu shot. So there, because, you know, when you're working with, with kids, teenagers, a lot of germs going on, a lot of coughing, a lot of sneezing, uh, and other things like that. So it not only protects the kids, it protects you as well. And I'm around um, 14 to 18-year-olds, and trust me, they're not the cleanest in the world, and a lot of coughing, <laughs> nose digging, and all of that. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take this flu shot, that's for sure. So you know, a lot of organizations um, uh, highly recommend, uh, and uh, it's mandated unless, um, your doctor says likewise, you know, Yeah. I don't, you know, and, and, you know, as I said, you know, I've got an increase, you know, in my profession, you know, so I am dealing with more and more, you know, of the public as well. So that, as I said, that, that, that is a thought, but and now, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you weighed in on that. So I, I will keep that, I will keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. All right. I have, I have a question for you. So I am sure you have been listening, you know, to my intro about this show's topics. And I would like for you to weigh in on what I just said about the changing formation of our family structure. You know, things are things are changing, you know, as they're saying that the divorce rate is decreasing, but there's more live in activity. You know, and and instead of people getting married, there's more live in activity. So. I don't know how they're attributing that to the decline in divorce, but anyway, let, I want to hear what you got to say. Yeah, if, if they're saying that it's a decrease in the divorce rate, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure not. Excuse me, I'm sure not seeing it because um, the impact that it has on the children and families that that I work with, um, I, I I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm still seeing a lot of divorce. A lot of um, uh, separation and uh, a lot of dysfunction in married families. So, uh, uh-huh. with, my, with my job working with Bob Susan and with my nine to five, uh-huh. I'm not I'm not seeing the decrease in the divorce rate. Yeah, um, I you know I I agree with you on that. You know I that's why when I was doing my our research and, you know, with the Huffington Post and um, the other um, uh, news media article, and they were saying that it was decreasing. And I in the court system, I I see for me, OK, I see an, an increase. Maybe it's here in the state of Arizona, but I just don't see where it is decreasing. Now, if it is decreasing, that's a that's a good thing. I'm glad that people are perhaps learning you know, how to work things out and hang in there and, mm-hmm. um, you know, get uh, help for themselves, you know, go see a therapist and uh, mm-hmm. counselor, priest, whatever, and, um, you know, diffuse some of the stuff that may be causing issues. So I'm, I'm, I, I hope that is the case, but, you know, I, I, yeah, I just, I, I just don't, I just don't see it. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's let's discuss something else. Okay. Now you now you have and continue to deal with children in your profession, and you've seen and dealt with a lot, um, a lot of these children. Okay. Some of the stories you shared with me were very sad, you know. But let's talk about the foster parent program in this country. Now I know, for example, in 
this state, they are advertising it like big time for people to step up to the plate and help these children as children continue to flood the system. And they are using this program to help alleviate this issue, you know, of children needing, you know, to be in homes. You know, what are your thoughts on this, Reginald? Foster care can be a wonderful thing. Um, mm-hmm. The reason that I'm sure that Arizona, and I'm, I'm not there yet, uh, keyword yet, um, mm-hmm. because a lot of states are cutting back funds for social service agencies, for uh, foster care, and even uh, the, indivi- the independent living program. So, they're going to need for individual families to step in and take in some of these children. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, there aren't enough um, qualified foster parents. Uh, there aren't enough good, safe homes uh, for these kids because the last thing you want to do is pull a kid out of a trying situation uh, in his home, in his, in his biological home, and put him in an unsafe foster home, which unfortunately has happened in some cases. And so mm-hmm. now you have the client being traumatized not once but twice. So um, foster care is, is or can be a wonderful thing if mm-hmm. the home is right, if the home is safe, if the foster parents have gone through all of the um, things that they need to go through to be licensed, all of the parenting classes and, and all of that, and the home has been checked uh, by the mm-hmm. state to make sure everything is, is safe. So mm-hmm. it, it can be a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that we have about another minute um, before we go to break, but, um, you know, I just want to say that because before – you know, and I, and I'm sure that you could attest to this and I want to continue to talk about this just a little bit more when we return from mm-hmm. break is that, um, you know, remember that it was really bad, you know, like in the nineties of getting foster parents, for example, because mm-hmm. of just what you, of what you just said. It was very hard, mm-hmm. you know, for the, the individuals who stepped up to the plate and said, you know, I want to be a foster parent, but the checks and balances mm-hmm. was something that they just could not and, you know, adhere to. And so we're going to continue that after this break. Do you have disagreements with your landlord regarding your home or apartment that you are renting? Or have you fallen behind in your HOA payments and you cannot reason with the HOA Association for resolution of your issues? I can assist you. I am an independent professional mediator. My name is Teresa E. Keeves. Give me a call at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. You do not have to litigate your disagreements. They can be professionally mediated. The process of professional mediation is an effective, efficient, timely, and less costly method for resolving your disputes. Please give me a call for a 0283-7270. You're listening to Put It All on the Table Through Mediation with Teresa E. Keeves. Thanks for returning with me and my guest, the fabulous Reginald C. Campbell. 
and um we are talking about um family mediation and right before um our break we were talking about foster care and that um uh, my guest had brought up the fact of uh it you know it's a wonderful thing which i totally agree because you know we need to take care of our children and um as long as the families that are beckoning to take on this responsibility um can adhere to the checks and balances that are put before them. So uh, before we left, I said that um, in the 90s, uh, particularly, you know, you can check me on that if, if I'm wrong, brother. But I um, I do remember that there was a lot of issues with um, fostering because they they just could not find, you know, the right people to foster these children, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um... Well, well, actually, I think it's it's, it's probably it's been the same all 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 the while. I don't think it was any better or or worse in in the nineties or the two thousand. Um, um, the part was, as I said before, that because of the lack of funds that are going to social service agencies, uh, mm-hmm. that has caused um <clears throat> a rift in people. Um, uh, being able to become foster parents, and, and just all of the all of the things that that people have to go through uh, in order to be uh, a foster parent. A lot of times, people get discouraged and say, "You know what? It's not worth it. It's just it's not worth to do this." You know, my my heart is in the right place, and I want to do this. I want to help help this kid. And a lot of people, after becoming foster parents, you know, take the kid in, adopt the kid. You know, that mm-hmm. love this kid, he's become a he she has become a part of my family and, and we want to adopt him now, you know, for uh-huh. Um, so there is that difficulty where so many people and I've I've seen this, people have gone through uh jump through so many hoops and they said, you know, forget it. And they start looking outside of the country to adopt. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have these children who are here and need and wanted adoption but because of all of the reason the world that people have to go through. Uh huh. People were looking outside of the country to China, Japan, uh, South America. Yeah. Whatever, uh, yeah. To, to because see, from my point of view, a child is a child. And if an individual is going to adopt a child, then, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter as long as you take, mm-hmm. you know, take one, you know, and, and get them off the books right. or, out the street or out of harm's way. It doesn't matter because we're all one. There's no such as, you know, um, you're in another country, whether we're all one. So it, you know, when you help one, you're helping many. I, that, that's my take on it, you know? Okay, brother. Love, yeah. Love has no color. And, and if someone is willing to step up and adopt a child, um, to me, that's, that's wonderful. It doesn't matter race, creed, or color. I know there are some people who, probably don't agree with me on this, that uh, a child of, of color should only be with a family of color. Um, I don't I don't agree with that because love mm-hmm. love is love. And if exactly. to step in and bring in the child, that's God's child. And God is, uh, is, is smiling upon that. And mm-hmm. we're judged as a country and as a society how we treat or do not treat our children. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. And I totally agree with uh, what you just said, brother, because I remember the great controversy about um, about uh, the the people going outside of the country to adopt uh, children, it, you know, and it and it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. And this is something that we need to get over, too. It, I, I agree with you right. on that. OK, right. I'm wanting to get some more stuff in. So we're going to move to the next question now. Okay. Biological parents visits Mm -hmm. as relating to the adoption. Now, by the way, listeners, all of these things that I'm talking about with my brother falls under the all species of mediation. All right. Now, there was an article that said, why should biological parents have the right to visit their kids that they put up for adoption? Now, what it states in part is they don't have the right. This is what this one article said. They don't have the right. The adoptive parents have a choice on whether or not they want the biological parents to be able to see the child. If they choose a closed adoption, then the biological parents will not know who the adoptive parents are and they won't be able to see the child. If the adoptive parents choose an open adoption, then before the baby is born, they will have a meeting with the biological parents and determine when and how the biological parents can visit. Do you agree with this statement? Um, you know, it depends on on the situation. Um, okay. Times that I, that there's times that I agree with an open adoption and times that I uh, agree with a closed adoption. Um, okay. So, that should be negotiated, mediated um, with the judge, the caseworker, the parent, uh, a biological parent, and and, and adoptive parent. There are some cases that I've had that, oh, yeah, definitely this should be a closed adoption. Um, mm-hmm. and there's others where it should, it should be open. And then you have to mm-hmm. consider the fact also that when that, child becomes 21, he or she may decide that, hey, I just want to see my parents. I want to have a relationship with them now. Um, So at the age of 21, they can go and um, go back to court and petition to um, have, well, they're they're over 21 now, so they're they're legal, uh, the kid's legal. Um, They can go uh, to court and um, complete papers and all of that to um, have, um, you know, to, to, to have, well, well, to speak with their parents, just to put it that way, so they can find the parent to build a relationship with that parent. So, when okay. they're, say for instance, if they're 9, 10, 11 years old, they come from a from a dysfunctional family, things like that. Now now they're, they're grown, they're an adult, they're married, they have children of their own, and now they mm-hmm. Because everybody wants to know where they came from. And it takes yeah. nothing away from the foster parents because that foster parent stepped in and became mom and dad. But everyone still mm-hmm. likes to know, hey, where did that where did I come from? You know, what factory did I come from? Did I come from Jim? Did I come from Ford? Did I come from Chrysler? And and they just want to see that parent. So um again it depends on the situation. And then again, when that child becomes twenty one they may feel differently now that, hey, I want okay. to have mm-hmm. some contact with, with my parents. Mm-hmm. Or I don't mm-hmm. want to have contact with them. I just want to see them. I want to see how they are. Let them know that I'm okay. And, you know, we just continue and, with our life. 
Yeah, because it it gives them closure. You know, in the in the case that uh the the, the the what you just said a few minutes ago, not the case, but in what you just said, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they just want to see them. Okay, I've got to look at you. I just want to say that mm-hmm. I'm doing fine. I'm okay. Uh, these people mm-hmm. over here have loved me. They have nurtured me. I'm doing great. You know, um, have a you know have a great life. They don't want them in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and then um they but that still gives them closure. And a connection at the same time. Mm-hmm. They, they've closed it. They know who it is and they know who they're connected to, you know, and, and, and you're absolutely correct. Right. You know, a lot of, a lot of times they just want to see, you know, who, who was their vessel to bring them here, their mother, you know, and their dad. So, right. and, uh, but right. then, you know, they let them go and, you know, it, it, it's okay, you know, right. all right. Now, and, and, and if I could just say this right quick, there have been some cases sure. where um, uh, a person, um, the, the foster kid now has has an illness, and mm-hmm. they will uh, seek out that parent because that parent could be uh, the perfect donor for a kidney, for bone marrow, you know, things mm-hmm. like that, or, or vice versa. Um, so, yeah. um, I've known cases where foster kids have sought out their parents for, for that reason. And I've known exactly. cases where the foster parent has sought out kids and um, the parents, the biological parents said, hey, I don't, they don't want to have anything to do with you. Sorry. You know, I, out of my life. Stay out of my life. And then there's other times when um, the biological parents say, hey, we want to have a relationship with you now. You know, we were out of there for these years. We were on drugs. We weren't doing well. But now we want to have a relationship with you. We want to have a relationship with our grandchildren. So, mm-hmm. so it all depends on on uh, the case. It all depends on the on the people. So, uh, so I guess that's a long-winded way of me saying uh, I believe in open and closed adoption depends on the case. It depends on the case. Exactly. Very well said. Okay. I'm thinking we're going to be coming up on break here real soon, but I want to get this in before we come on break and then we'll talk about it when we return. Now, the courts in this country, as you know, are having to deal with the influx of drugs, not only by selling and people overdosing, but also with the parents, particularly the mothers who are ingesting these drugs prior to and continuing to as they become pregnant. Now, it used to be years ago where individuals such as yourself were going around the high schools, you know, particularly talking to students about drug use and the negative effects that it has on our bodies. But I don't think that people are doing a whole lot of traveling to, you know, high schools and grammar schools these days, um, which I think is one of it, you know, plays an attribution to the increase in the use of drugs among our young people. Parenting and Child Health says when parents are taking illegal drugs, it can mean risk to their health and well-being of their children. Each child is affected differently. Some do well in spite of problems, while others develop more problems. Many of us mediators listening out there mediate these cases, and some are trying and others are very open to want to do better. Now, when we come back, we are going to talk about your experiences in dealing with this situation. Stay tuned. 
found that bullying in the workplace and in our schools, whether it's grammar schools or high schools, is becoming more and more prevalent. This includes the rise of verbal abuse and physical abuse to our senior citizens. As a matter of fact, bullying is on the cusp of becoming a dominant occurrence in today's society. For example, CareerBuilder.com survey of 2012 noted that about 50% of all workplace bullying goes unreported. And NBC News reported that bullying statistics of 2013 for senior citizens is on the rise in America. And that statistics for bullying-related incidences in our schools, well, unfortunately, it is on the rise. If you find yourself being bullied in school or in the workplace and you need someone to help resolve your differences with professionalism, fairness, impartiality, and given a platform to be heard, give me a call. Professional mediator Teresa E. Keyes at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. Welcome back to Put It All on the Table Through Mediation. Here again, Teresa E. Keeves. I appreciate your returning with me and my guest, the fabulous Reginald C. Campbell. And right before we left for break, we were talking about uh, mothers um, in this country who are taking drugs prior to um, their pregnancy and even continuing on with their pregnancy. And... Um, I was saying to my guests that, you know, when, um, you know, that when parents are taking illegal drugs, it can mean risk, of course, to the health and the well-being of their child. And each child is affected differently. Some do well in spite of problems, while others develop more problems. And I also said that many of us mediators listening out there, we do mediate on these cases. And some are trying, as what I mean by trying is that, both parties or maybe one just don't want to come to any type of amicable resolution. And while others are very open to a resolve. So what I wanted from you um, uh, this morning, brother, is to talk to us about your experience when dealing with this kind of situation. Okay. I've had um, some situations where if the mother is in the system, and say she has uh, two children or one child that's, um, that's in the state already, and she continues to use drugs, and she's pregnant, and she's using cocaine, for instance. Um, this, when the child is born, the state will automatically take the kid. When it's a, when it's a baby mm-hmm. born, they take the kid. Um, that's a good thing. Um, um, the, the other thing that you were saying as far as seeing um, uh, and speak with high school and grammar school kids about drugs, uh, I've, I've seen a dip in that as well. Um, mm-hmm. and especially now with, with uh, I think marijuana is probably more popular among uh, teens and, 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 and tweens more than, than any time. And mm-hmm. from my experience uh, working with uh, adults, adolescents, and preteens, uh, but we'll just talk about preteens and adolescents right now. Um, and in just society in general, it just seems like, well, there's just this okay thing about marijuana. That marijuana is not that 
not that um, harmful. It's, um, you know, look, I know that there are, and you know as well, that there are some medicinal um, um, things that marijuana can do, and that's, and that's great. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are using this as a way to legalize it. And, and I just exactly. say, I'm, against, I'm against legalization. I'm just going to put that out there right now. There's some people uh-huh. you know, who may be uh, throwing some some things at the phone right now who keep saying that. But if anybody thinks that marijuana is harmful, spend a day with me. Spend a week with me working with 13 to 18-year-olds and see what marijuana has taken them. Mm-hmm. They in a hospital now. There's something wrong when you have 13 and 14 year olds being court mandated for substance abuse, making mm-hmm. marijuana. There, there, there's mm-hmm. something wrong. And if this mm-hmm. is the uh, male brain is still developed, develops until it's 21 years old. So you have mm-hmm. the harmful effects of marijuana on the developing brain. Exactly. So, um, and, then, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead, brother. And, 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 and then, you know, you, there, there, you have if um, the other dysfunctional things in the family that, that can just make that issue, that problem so much larger. So so if anybody's walking around here saying, oh, well, you know, it's, it's not that bad, it's, it, it's okay and all that again, spend a day or a week with me or spend a day of the week in any substance abuse facility that caters to adolescents and, and preteens, and you may come mm-hmm. away with a different idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I totally agree with, you know, you and I uh, discuss these matters, um, you know, when we hear on the news as they're justifying the legalization mm-hmm. of marijuana, and I'm not, I'm not for it. I, so I'm just going to go out there and say it. All right. And I'm not for it because of the, you know, for um, the, you know, the reasons that you have have outlined in your talk. And and I totally agree with you. It is an augmentation of the brain. How can one say that there is no harm and particularly with our young people? They're doing this. They're making liquor where it tastes better, because one thing about me and mama always said, I don't have to worry about you because. It tastes terrible. I told her, I said it tastes like turpentine. You know, so, you know, I don't, I, I don't understand how a person could get hooked on it. And I'm sure that that's a whole total different talk because for me, it yeah. tastes bad. I don't like it. I don't like the effects of it. I don't see how the, you know, how people can get hit on it. But, but the thing is, is that they're making it and they know this because there are people out there yeah. like me. And so they're making it, you know, like skinny girl drink. You know, they're making the bottle with an hourglass figure and, and they're going after mm-hmm. the women, our largest populist session, section of this world, may I add. And, you know, with the skinny girl drinks and the other kind of drinks and then with the beers and, and all of this that, you know, to, to mm-hmm. attract, you know, our younger mm-hmm. sect and, and or other people, baby boomers, millennials, whatever. Into drinking these, into drinking these products. And I, and I, you know, and, um, and, and I have been with you, brother, and, and seen these individuals that have been affected by, um, you know, long-term use, you know, of, of marijuana. And I don't understand how right. they could say it isn't an augmentation because. Right. 
because it is, it augments your thinking. So I, you know, I, 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 that's something that I, I just, I just don't get. I don't get that. So I, I totally agree with you on that. All yeah, right. Now I want to, okay, go ahead, brother. Just quickly, um, you know, you were touching on, on the, the beer and alcohol commercials. You know, they, of course, they make it look fun. And, you know, people are smiling and they're laughing and they're, they're sliding down the slide and they've got the beer and all of that, you know, but they don't see the effect of mm-hmm. the alcoholism. They don't see the effect mm-hmm. of what it does to the family, what it does to the individual, what it does to society. Can we say drunk driving, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and, you know, people have told me, well, Reg, look, alcohol is, is, um, it's legal, so, so, so why not marijuana? So that's like saying, well, if, 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 since you already have one arm chopped off, just chop off the other, you know? No, I exactly. don't want society to throw in the tile, the towel and say, oh, well, alcohol is legal, so we might as well make marijuana legal. I don't want a person to go in and buy a six pack of beer and marijuana as well, and then get behind the wheel of their car. Exactly. You know, because, so, see, the way the, the way I'm looking at it, Reginald, the way, you know, society mm-hmm. is today, is just like what mm-hmm. you just said. Okay, give me a six-pack of whatever beer and a, and a pack of uh, marijuana, you know, like cigarettes, and then mm-hmm. it'll go out the door. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then what's up next? You know, the, the rest of the, oh, let's, let's just legalize it. They're going to take it anyway. I mean, what kind of stance is that? They're going right. to take it anyway, right. so let's legal. What? I mean, are we supposed to have some type of what I talked about last week, decorum about ourselves and our thinking and, and how we want to live our lives? Are we that lost that, you know, we have just just jumped on the on the on the bandwagon to whatever is new and happening depicted by the television? You know, Absolutely. so absolutely. All right. And, mm-hmm. and, and, oh. the, and the kids are just quickly, let me say this, and the, and the children who have been introduced to drugs by their parents. And I've had cases mm-hmm. where um, a, a kid would tell me, well, look, Mr. Campbell, I was introduced by my parents. I had parents say, well, yeah, I introduced Johnny and, and, and Sally to it because I figured that they, would, they could do it at home and, and be safe. So... You know, again, that that's a whole that's a whole different topic too that maybe we could talk at a later time. But but it's <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's, it's being thrown. At we got them. we got one minute, brother. One minute. Okay, okay. From inside the home, outside the home, and all of that. You know, so so they're just being bombarded with it. Mhm. Exactly. And it's fast. What I'm on here is time just goes by. I know, fast. doesn't it? That's because that's because. That's because we're good conversationalists, Reginald, and we have a lot of good mm-hmm. meat to put out there. Mm-hmm. We put it all out there on the table. Thank you so much for coming on um, with me again, um, brother. I really appreciate it. Once again, um, this is Reginald Campbell. He is, um, as I said, a certified mental health specialist. He is a social worker extraordinaire. And if you want to get in contact with him, you can call him at 480-309-7374. Did I get that correct? You got it right. Yay. Okay, thank you so much for calling. I thank you out there so much for listening to me again. Return with uh, with me next week, 
another great, exciting topic. Who knows? I may have my brother on again. Have a great day. Be good to yourself and others. This is Teresa Keeves.